Hello, my friends. This is Andy coming to you live from Orange County, California on this 9-11 day. And I am I am so honored. And I hope that I don't get emotional because, you know, I'm a pretty emotional guy. <laughs> and uh, I can already feel it coming on. I can already feel my, my heart beating a little bit just because I know we're going to talk about some some stuff here with Joe Torillo, who was buried twice on 9-11 by each one of the buildings that fell. And um, we met in San Diego some time ago um, and have been friends on Facebook for a very long time. So I'm amazed that I was able to get him. But uh, uh, thanks to COVID-19, he was home and wasn't out traveling like he uh, normally would be on this particular day. And so we got it together. We got him online and we're going to be talking to him uh, really quick. I just want to talk a couple of sponsors just really quick. This is something that we have to do or so I can keep the show going at some point. Um, and we got todayshappycoffee.com. Make sure and check it out. Go to todayshappycoffee.com. It is a great product along with some uh, lemonade and um, uh, peach tea and chai tea. Uh, a great product. It has a, a brand new product called the uh, Elevate Max. It's an all natural um, uh, energy booster and appetite suppressant. It's fantastic. Uh, and then we'll just talk about today's Vaseo.com, other wellness products. You know, I'm all about wellness. I've been through some uh, some injurious car crashes and, and police canine training over the years. Uh, a lot of injuries and, and, and things that has really, since I've been using some of the Vaseo products, most of the inflammation is gone. And it's, it, I, I can't tell you, I, and I, I can't tell you it's cured me. I can just tell you it's a coincidence. Since I started taking these products, uh, I'm virtually pain-free, sleep fantastically, and um, and it's it's really because I believe uh, since I've been taking this Viseo product. So go to todaysviseo.com. All right. So right after this, uh, my intro video that you guys are all uh, familiar with, I'm going to bring on uh, a a man who just has a terrific story. And on this day, again, I'm just so honored that we're able to have him on here today to hear a little bit uh, about what he has to say, what happened to him on this day 19 years ago so right after this video Joe Torillo, how are you? Hi, Andy. How's everything out there in California? I've been watching very closely all those wildfires you guys have been having, and I'm starting to wonder, is there anything left to burn out there? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, thank God it's a really big state. Um, but yeah, they're all like around us, north of us, south of us, and a little bit east of us. But here in Orange County, we're, we're, fairly, we're fairly safe. One year, several years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a fire actually did come pretty close to our home. But since then, uh, nothing. But thank you. I appreciate that considering what we're here to talk about, which is um, your your story <laughs> in regard to 9-11. Um, one of the things I found interesting, I, I have a couple questions for you before 9-11, but um, one thing I found interesting is that when uh, you joined me in the in the lobby before we started this broadcast, you were watching documentaries. I, I find that kind of interesting. You know what, uh, Andy, this day just brings back so many memories. And again, I'm never really here on the East Coast where I reside. I'm usually traveling somewhere around the United States every single year on this time of year, on mm -hmm. September 11th and the, the week before, the week after. I feel this obligation to uh, uh, oblige other people in other little towns and other big cities and other states to personalize their 9-11 event because they feel so strongly by keeping the memory alive 
for all those here or here in New York. And so once again, I'm never really home on this day, but being that I was home because of the COVID-19 pandemic, I decided that I would take some time out today and uh, kind of kick back a little bit and just watch all the documentaries. Uh, I've seen so many of them, so many I haven't seen. And in a lot of the documentaries, I know a lot of the people and I love to hear everybody else's story because I want to see how close it parallels my experience, what mm. they were talking about as they're being interviewed. Yeah, well, that's it. It was really interesting to hear you say that you were doing that. Um, I'm going to uh, take you back uh, before 9-11, actually. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but also, I want to tell the people that are watching, feel free to please comment um, and, and list your comments in there. If you have any questions for Joe, uh, please go ahead and put them into the comment section. But at least let us know where you're watching from and maybe even write a little something about where you were. I, I remember being on the 91 freeway here in California, leaving my house in Riverside, going to work at Anaheim Police Department. I was working in the detective bureau and I, I was listening to Howard Stern uh, and, uh, and, and listening to an interview. And then he got on and says, hey, I just heard that a, a plane flew into one of the buildings and I will never forget it. The rest of the day is kind of um, just like surreal. I remember every second of getting out of my car and listening to the radio, going up to the detective bureau. We had it on the television. So it was um, it's just one of those days like everybody else that you kind of remember where you were on that day. Uh, but um, before that, Joe, if you don't mind, what what were you doing before you went to work? I, I wanted, what was going on at home? Uh, not getting too personal and that kind of stuff. But you know, the reason I think about this is because, you know, you know, did you leave your house and tell your wife and your kids that you love them? I mean, is that, cause I think that's one of the things I would be upset about if I was buried. Uh, what was going on at home before you left? If well, you don't you know, Andy, I left for work much earlier that particular morning because it was going to be a very special day for me, for New York, and also for the New York City Fire Department. And, and the story of which I'm about to tell you, you'll understand why I'm saying this. Uh, I was actually uh, going to a big press conference that morning at nine o'clock in Rockefeller Center. And I was, going, I was working with a, a company called Fisher-Price Toys. I'm sure that you heard of a company called Fisher-Price Toys, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what? what happened was in January of 2001, I had gotten a call from Fisher Price Toys in my office and headquarters where I was recuperating from another injury. I couldn't work in a firehouse, so they gave me a desk job in headquarters. And I was actually working in their office of fire safety education. And eventually I became the director of the whole program. And in doing so, I took on a project to build a new learning center in New York City for kids. And I worked on that project for two years called the Fire Zone, the first state-of-the-art fire safety learning center next to Radio City Music Hall and right around the corner from where they put up the big Christmas tree every year. So I co-designed this first state-of-the-art fire safety learning center. We opened in October of 2000. A month and a half later, we got nominated for the Thea Award at the Emmys, and we won this Thea Award, which I didn't even know existed. It was an award for venues of themed entertainment, and we won this prestigious award. That was in November of 2000. And in January, a couple of months later, January 2001, I got a call in my office from a company called Fisher Price Toys. I thought they had the wrong phone number. <laughs> As a uh, fire department headquarters, they said, we know you want to speak to Lieutenant Torillo. I thought maybe they opened up a new office in Manhattan. Maybe they wanted me to go there and host fire drills. They said, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that. We want to run something by you might be interested in. 
And I said, okay, uh, what is it? They said, well, uh, do you have some time to speak? And I looked at my watch. I said, well, it's nine o'clock and I work till six o'clock. Can you speak for nine hours? Shoot, what do you got? I said, are you familiar with the Fisher Price Corporation? I said, well, I think it's a household name in this country. They said, no, more particularly, do you know anything about our little action figures we call rescue heroes that kids love? I said, well, I said, you know, I have four little kids. We have tons of Fisher Price products like everybody else in the United States, but I'm not really familiar with these action figures that you're speaking about. Well, let us explain it to you. We have a whole line of action figures. Uh, they're little rescue heroes. Uh, we have a little police officer called Jake Justice. We have his partner, which is a canine officer, which you'll appreciate, called Bill Barker. Uh, <laughs> we have their supervisor, Sergeant Sirene. His yeah. boss, Captain Cuffs. Uh, we have an ambulance attendant called Perry Medic. A lifeguard called Sandy Beach. A uh, mountain climber called Rocky Canyon and his partner, Cliff Hanger. Um, we have a scuba diver called Gil Gripper, a construction worker called Jack Hammer. And we even have a medevac pilot by the name of Hallie Copter. And uh, I know this is all very funny. We have an astronaut called Roger Houston, uh, a scuba diver called Gil Gripper, a construction worker called Jack Hammer. And we have a female firefighter called Wendy Waters. Well, they wanted a New York City firefighter to be in addition to their rescue heroes. They're going to call him Billy Blazes. <laughs> it is funny, you know. And so I, I really didn't know what to make out of this conversation. But I'm listening very closely. And they said, look, if you help us design this new action figure, which will be a likeness of a New York City firefighter named Billy Blazes, we'll give you a dollar for everyone sold around the world. Of course, that money was not going to go in my pocket. That money right. was going to my education program. And I used that kind of funding to buy smoke detectors and give them out free in New York City in the audio and all the events that I would host uh, where people would come and listen to me on how to both prevent and survive a fire. In the mm -hmm. New York City Fire Department, we had embarked on a mission to reduce fires and fatalities by educating and empowering the public. So I said, look, I can't agree to this because this could be a conflict of, in, uh, a conflict of, uh, what do you call that? A conflict of, uh, conflict of interest. Yeah. Yeah. Conflict of interest. Exactly. So anyway, we ran it by the mayor's office in New York city with, uh, mayor Giuliani and mayor Giuliani figured out a way on how we can enter into this partnership with a private company being a city agency and to be able to get some revenue for, from them. It's kind of like taking money from your left pocket and putting it into the right pocket <laughs> without getting arrested, right? Right, Lawyers right. Lawyers just know how to do this stuff. So in any event, uh, we proceeded with this partnership with Fisher-Price Toys. And in the end of January of 2001, I set up a big meeting in my office and headquarters with the artists and illustrators, toy designers, and all their executives. And for a whole day as I'm speaking, about what a firefighter looks like with his firefighting clothing called bunker gear, all his tools and equipment, his air tank and his mask and all the other stuff that we carry. The artists and illustrators had art pads on easels with crayons and markers. And as I'm speaking, they're drawing. And at the end of the day, they have this new action figure fully sketched out on their art pad, a New York City firefighter called Billy Blazes. Well, they took the artwork and they went to the factory and it took six months from January of 2001 to July of 2001 to make the first mold and prototype.
And they called us up in the first week of July of 2001. They were very excited. They says, hey, we got the mold. We got the prototype. We want you to look it over before it goes into mass production. Can we set up another meeting? And I said, sure. So a couple of days later, we had another big meeting in headquarters, me and all my uh, bosses and assistant commissioners. And we looked over this little prototype and mold. And there were certain things that we thought they, they should kind of change and tweak a little bit if, in fact, he was going to be specifically a likeness of a New York City firefighter. Not that we're any different or better than any other firefighter, but there's certain things about a New York City fireman that are kind of signature, for lack of a, a better of a, a description. Well, I can tell you, I played ice hockey against some New York firefighters, and they were different than any other team that we played. Okay, so there <laughs> you go. So, oh, I, I, I get it, right? So uh, one of the executives, a woman by the name of Lori Orovec, that works with Fisher Price, I had developed a nice friendship with her over this six-month process of developing the mold and prototype. And she said, Joe, let me ask you something. What are some things that are signature about a New York City firefighter? And I started thinking, I said, well, Lori, there are certain things that I can't tell you, <laughs> but there's certain things that I can tell you. She said, well, tell me the things that you can tell me. I said, all right. I said, we have big mustaches and we smoke cigars. She said, well, we're not going to put a cigar in Billy Blazer's hand. And she took out a black Sharpie, a magic marker, and she drew a big mustache on Billy Blazer's. She says, Joey needs to look more like you. And, and they remolded Billy Blazer's with the other changes that we recommended and, and the big mustache. And that took about three weeks. And we set up another meeting. And now they had the remolded Billy Blazers with the changes. And I have them here right now. Oh, wow. That is so cool. That's the new Billy Blazers rescue hero uh, from Fisher Price Toys. That looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I've been accused of a lot of things, but good looking was never one of them. So I'm not uptight about that. <laughs> but any event, so now we looked it over. We agreed to go into mass production. And the Fisher Price executives were really excited. I was acting excited. Uh, truthfully, I didn't think that this was really that big of a deal. But we were going to get some revenue out of it. So I was playing along like I thought, you know, that this was like the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread. I mean, you yeah. know, that's part of, uh, you know, trying to develop a nice relationship when you're trying to get something out of people. And they said, OK, this is look, we want to have a big press conference in New York City. Where can we have a press conference? Well, I was coming upon the first anniversary of the opening of my learning center. I said, why don't we do the press conference at the fire zone? They said, what's that? I said, it's New Children's Learning Center I co-designed. We opened last October. We opened an Emmy Award, and uh, it's in the heart of Rockefeller Center. And they said, oh, my God, could we really do it there? I said, of course, I'm the director. They said, oh, my God, this is getting better and better. We're going to introduce the New Children's Rescue Hero at the New Children's Fire Safety Learning Center in the oh. heart of Rockefeller Center. And they says, okay, we know where we'll do the press conference, but when? Well, this was the end of July 2001. I said, let's do it in October. And they said, why? I said, October's fire prevention month. It's very apropos to this project. This is, oh, that's a great idea. It's a natural tie to what we're doing, but it's too close to Christmas and the holiday season. We need to get Billy Blazes on the mark a little bit sooner. Well, October was too distant for them. And this meeting was the end of July 2001. And I couldn't think of another date in between that was appropriate. And I was kind of brainstorming. And I said, you know, 911 is the emergency phone number in New York City. Mm -hmm. Why don't we 
first time having 911 themed safety day and talk about how to prevent fires, how to survive fires, and also we'll introduce the new rescue hero, Billy Blaze, the New York City firefighter. And this is, oh my God, that is such a great novel idea. So on 911, September 11, 2001, at nine o'clock in the morning, all the TV stations, all the newspaper reporters, and all the city officials were waiting for me in Rockefeller Center to introduce a new rescue hero, Billy Blazes, a likeness of a New York City firefighter. And I left my house early that morning before my wife and kids were up because I wanted to get into headquarters really early. I needed to catch up on voicemails and emails and payroll and scheduling before I left for the uh, press conference because I knew I'd be out of my office all day long. And I want to get all that kind of normal office stuff done so I wouldn't worry about it the rest of the day because I figured I would probably be at the press conference most of the day doing interviews and so forth and so on. And so I got to my office really early that morning and uh, I got caught up in paperwork, you know, phone calls and everything else. And I almost forgot about the appointment uh, with Billy Blazes, the new the press conference. And it was about 20 minutes to nine. And although that the uh, press conference was scheduled for nine o'clock in Manhattan, I'm still in Brooklyn on the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge. And I had three college kids that were gonna come with me to set up the press conference. They were in a special program called Fire Cadets. They went to a city, city university three days a week and they volunteered in the fire department for two days as fire department cadets with the hopes of becoming firefighters in a special program, almost like coming through the back door, you might say. And I, the kids were sitting in a conference room next to my office, having their coffee and their breakfast and they had the TV on. They were watching the morning uh, news stations and programs. And I got out of my office, it was 20 to nine. And I said to myself, oh my God, look at the time. You, you, you should have been on your way already. And I went into the press conference next to my office and the kids were in there watching TV. And I said, come on guys, get your book bags. You know, I'm running a little late. We got to get out of here quickly. And I went back into my office and I shut off my computer, grabbed my car keys, I took my wallet and I grabbed my dress uniform and one of the college kids came running into my office and he said, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. I'm like, what? He said, I swear to God, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. It's on the TV in the conference room. So I went back into the conference room and sure enough, the kids had the TV on and I could see smoke coming at the top of the tower. And I said to one of the kids, his name was Joe, like me, I said, Joe, is this a movie? Is this like a, a is this a simulation? He says, no, no, no. He says, a plane really hit the tower. And so now there's so many things running through my mind, but I'm really thinking and believing it was a little Piper Cub. I don't really think that this is a big mm -hmm. deal, but I'm so afraid that once the news started spreading, every police car, every fire engine, every ambulance is going to rush to the scene from all parts of New York City. I'm going to end up getting stuck in traffic and I'm not going to make the press conference. My boss is going to fire me. She's going to kill me. I was working for a woman who was a deputy commissioner by the name of Lynn Tierney, and she didn't tolerate stupidity. And all I'm saying is if I don't get to the press conference, she's, <laughs> I'll never live this day down. Right. So me and college kids, we ran to the elevator. We got to the underground garage in headquarters, and I zoomed out of the garage and two blocks away. I was already on the Brooklyn Bridge connecting Brooklyn into Manhattan. And as I'm zooming over the bridge, there's a fire engine and a chief's car in front of me. And I'm looking to the left and about an eighth of a mile away, I could see about 10 floors of fire around the top of the North Tower. And now I'm thinking, wow, this had to be more than a little Piper Cub. 
And by the time I got over the bridge from the Brooklyn to the Manhattan side, it might have been no more than 20 seconds. I had to make an impromptu decision. What do I do? Do I make a right turn and go up to the press conference or do I make a left turn and make my way to my original firehouse where I started my career, which was right across the street from the World Trade Center complex, basically in the shadow of the South Tower. And I realized all those guys in that firehouse were all friends of mine that I had worked with for so many years, but I had left there in 1996 after I got promoted to lieutenant. And I stood in touch with those guys and I realized that they were going to need as much help as they can from somebody like me who had so many years experience responding to the alarms in that complex of buildings. And that's the decision I made. I said, the heck with Billy Blazes. This ain't happening today. I made a left turn and I got to my original firehouse at about nine o'clock in the morning. And I parked my car on the sidewalk in the back of the firehouse because I remembered in 1993 when I was there, when the bomb went off, the big problem we had back then was so many emergency vehicles were blocking the streets. We couldn't find the drivers to these vehicles. And we couldn't get ambulances to hospitals. And so the lesson learned so many years before at the bombing was don't block the streets with your vehicles. So I parked the car on the sidewalk in the back of the firehouse. Me and the three college kids ran around the corner to the front of the firehouse. And both of the firehouse doors were wide open, although both of the fire engines had already responded to the North Tower. And I go to run into the firehouse because I need a set of firefighting clothing. I'm going to take off my dress uniform. I'm going to borrow a set of firefighting clothing from another fireman who's off duty. But it was hard to get into the firehouse, even though the doors are wide open, because people were laying all over the floor of the firehouse. People that were walking around the circumference of the Twin Towers got hit with jet fuel, pieces of the building. So the old man, they saw the firehouse doors open. They ran in there as a as a haven of safety and I looked around at all these people laying all over the floor and nobody was in critical condition some were crying some were burnt some were screaming some were in shock some had torn clothing and I told the three college kids that were with me who had become emergency medical technicians in the program we were running for them as fire cadets I said treat these people as best as you can get on the phone if they want to go to the hospital call ambulances I said stay here I'll be back later I don't know when I'm going to be back I said, I might not ever be back again. And I took a helmet of boots, gloves, uh, pants, jacket from another fireman off duty by the name of Tommy McNamara. He was off duty. He was home. I took his firefighting clothing and I ran out of the firehouse to the North Tower. But I had to pass the South Tower in order to get to the North Tower. Let me, let, me, let me just interrupt you for just one second, because you're telling a great story. And I, I like all the connections between the two things. But you're hitting on something that... Um, not everyone may 